They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, youth is wasted on the wrong people. I'll tell you what's come over her. She's just a silly little girl whose head has been turned by the movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spoilers, the movies we love. I'm your host, Dominique, and I am super excited to kick off this podcast with our very first ever episode. And I'm even more excited that our first guest, who's with me today, is Josh. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. (laughs) Hi, Josh. How you doing? Oh, very good. I'm excited. Let's get this going. Yeah. This has been a long time in the making. So what are we going to do today, Josh? Whatever the hell we feel like we're going to do. And you know what that is? We're going to discuss movies. We are going to discuss movies. We're going to discuss one movie in particular, Napoleon Dynamite. This is one of both of our favorite movies. Napoleon Dynamite is the 2004 film by Jared Hess that was introduced at the Sundance Film Festival. And originally it was um, it was based on a short, which actually, Josh, for the first time, like right before we started recording, <clears throat> you showed me the short. And I, that was the very first time I've ever seen it. Yeah, it was like Pelucho, right? Peluca? Pel- Peluca. Yeah, Peluca. Yes. And like, it's funny because Napoleon's name, it is not even Napoleon. Like, he was Seth. Like, he's Seth. Like, and now that I see it, I can see, I, I can't see him being nothing but Napoleon. But if I could, if Napoleon was never told to me, I could, he looks like a Seth. He kind of does. Yeah. So, okay, for context, the movie Napoleon Dynamite was based on a short film by the same director called Palooka. It was this college. I think it was this like college like final or something like that. Right. So when I was doing some research a second ago before we started the podcast, <laughs> because you just showed this to me, it's a short film by Jared Hess produced for an assignment while he was attending Brigham Young University. <coughs> it was shown at the 2003 film dance, slam dance film festival. Sorry. I was trying to say Sundance. It was slam dance. Is it really slam dance? I, that's that's what I saw. It's the slam dance. I thought it was the Sundance. Well, Sundance is probably when the Napoleon was shown, but I don't think oh. I don't think the college. I don't. That's a college theater. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Napoleon Dynamite was, was shown at the Sundance Film Festival. This was this his college project was shown at the Slam Dance after being presented Film on Festival. Which sounds like a shitty knockoff sounds of like the a- Sundance. <laughs> like it's trying really, really. Excuse you. Excuse me. That's okay. <laughs> we might have a lot of those coming in today. I, I, it's, I got seltzer here, so like you, you know what's coming. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have to bleep out the burps. No, no, it's okay. Anyway, Slam Dance sounds like a shitty like knockoff. Like it's trying to sound like the Sundance Film Festival. Okay. By the way, I don't call Slam. So, it's so, it's, it's I, like I don't WWE know what it is either. Thing. Welcome to Slam Dance, presented by <laughs> WWE. We love to wrestle. But anyways, back on the Peluche. Anyways, so it's a it's a nine minute film. It was shot on black and white film, uh, sixteen millimeters, and it stars John Heater, who is Napoleon Dynamite. And we are pronouncing that correctly. We looked it up. We looked it up. John Heater, as the main character, whose name is Seth. And I thought it was really interesting watching the short because, like, except for the whole lottery ticket, almost everything from the short 
is incorporated into the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, and if you if you look at it too, like uh, like I think Pedro Pedro was there, but I think Pe- I think Pedro also had a brother, and I think the main character of actual Pedro who was in Napoleon Dynamite was the com- combination of both of these. Because we had Pedro, and then we had his brother, who was the one who basically went through what Pedro did um, after, I believe it was after he um, was running for election, after they got out of the FFA. Um, future Farmers of America. Yeah, Future Farmers of America thing. Mm-hmm. And then he went to go home and was like, my head feels hot. All that happened to Pedro's brother in the short. And right, then, right. And, and when they and when they went to go get the wig, like, I, I it's funny because the, the female, uh, I forget her name, T, Deb, to Deb not even in this like she came about probably out of the studio's need to hey we gotta extend this you gotta have napoleon right 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 when they expanded the whole story they incorporated the character deb and there is a scene in the movie napoleon dynamite where deb is helping out um napoleon picking out wigs yeah she's the one who came up with the for pedro yeah yeah exactly oh my gosh so that was super cool. I had never seen the short before. I'm really glad I saw it before we started recording. But if you haven't seen the short, go and check it out. It's called, God, what is it called? Palooka? I just typed in Napoleon Dynamite short. Yeah, do that. that too. Do that. It's like eight and a half minutes long. Go watch it no, if you love Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. It's what Napoleon Dynamite was based on. So anyway, before we actually get started into digging into the movie Napoleon Dynamite, I kind of just wanted to talk a bit about why I decided to start this podcast. So I love movies. I love them. If So Josh, you know me very well. Am I more prone to picking a movie to watch or a show? Oh, I'm always a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus, you got a whole collection. I mean, hell, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we started making movies lists, you know, that's how, you know, we got together so fun fact um josh and i met a little over a year ago actually a year like a year and three weeks ago i think i moved into the apartment complex that uh that we lived in and i met josh we became friends and one of the things we did is we made a list of 10 movies that we had either both seen and loved or that one of us loved and needed to show the other one. Yeah. So that's kind of how our friendship started. We now live together. We just moved in together into a very schmancy, fancy, lovely apartment in downtown Rochester. I like it. Anyway, so movies. For me, when I was growing up, movies had a huge impact on me. I mean, so first of all, I love stories. I love the art of storytelling. I love hearing them, reading them, watching them, but there is absolutely something about the medium of movies specifically that always just sort of like hit different for me. Like the the art of telling a story in a movie form is so unique and special to me because it's almost like there's a ritualistic element to it. So I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, you almost had to go see a movie in the theater. I mean, you really did not have another choice than to wait for it to come to the theater or wait for it to come out on like a VHS or DVD or watch it on TV. 
And the sort of ritual around the fact of movies is that, so because they were not as accessible as they are now, you know, when you sat down to watch a movie, you were watching the movie. There were no like smartphones. You couldn't sit there on your couch and just like scroll through your smartphone and have the TV on in the background. There weren't any distractions. You know, you were in the theater or it was on TV and you had a limited amount of time to watch it and you couldn't pause it. Yeah, I mean, time those bathroom breaks. <laughs> what? We had to time those bathroom breaks. You had to time the bathroom breaks. Exactly. What was watching movies like for you as like growing up? As a kid, as a teenager, like oh, what, what was yeah, that experience? That was... Like, oh, do you, do it. you have a similar experience to me, or is it different for you? Oh, I I I I also gotta agree with you there. Yeah, like it, when it came on, it it was time to watch it. Like I remember back in the day, um, when 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 there were movies that would come up and and like you, you would see about them, like specials or anything like that. Eight o'clock, you know, Hall- Halloween Towns coming yep. on Disney Channel. It's seven thirty. Be there, you know, yeah. get fucked. You know, so, you know, yeah, definitely always had to be there. And I remember I, I, I love movies. Movies were a way to escape, you know, and kind of get into a world like, oh, my, my favorite movie I, I, is, I would have to say, what favorite movie times that we got was the VHS physical copy of Spider-Man. Yeah. Because back, for one, this also rides into like things like the internet. You Wait, which, also, which Spider-Man? The, the first one, like the original Tobey Maguire, Sam okay. Raimi directed. Willem Dafoe, fantastic, incredible movie mm. that <clears throat> I remember getting and just watching it on. Like, it, oh, it was there. You had it. And it was a pain in the ass to, like, pause a VHS, right? Because yeah. you had to get up and push it on the thing, you know? And then everyone in the room was like, oh, God, you go to the bathroom again. <laughs> and pausing the movie almost takes the wind out of it in a way, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a thing that's meant to be watched in one sitting to totally like immerse yourself. Oh yeah, no, you're here in it until the end. You're not getting up to take a piss. Did I see when it's your favorite movie? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's no. It's really not the same anymore, is it? Like no. it, it not only okay, so not only have movie theaters been impacted by COVID nineteen when for a couple of years nobody was going to the movies. I think like at the same time, there's also smartphones and distraction. Like, you can rent a movie on Amazon or something that's out in the theaters now and choose to watch it in your house, which it has its ups and downs because, I'll, I mean, it does take away from that experience of, you know, going to the movies, sitting through it, watching it all the way through without getting up, you know, being closed off in a dark environment so the only thing you can focus on is the screen and you get immersed but then at the same time with you know the uptick in streaming as opposed to going to the movies you can watch your favorite movie at your leisure you can pause it if you need to get up and then like come back and sit down which yeah, you can continue watching yeah. it while you're on the crapper you know like they're literally on your phone you can take it from your <laughs> You know, like, um, go over here and I'll just play it right here on the toilet. <laughs> you can absolutely do that. But, I mean, some some of these movies, like, can you imagine back in the day, like, I, I say back in the day, like, the 90s. God, I'm not that old. Um, 
But, I mean, can you imagine the directors and the actors before this technology existed? Like, someday someone's going to watch this in their house while they're taking a shit. Yeah. Yeah. It it was key. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. Oh my god. Anyway, so like I mentioned before, I love the art of storytelling. Um, And storytelling through a movie is something that's really interesting to me as well. You know, so it's unlike a book, which requires, you know, like an investment of your time, and you really only have your imagination to show you what the story looks like. It's unlike a TV show, which centers around an overarching theme of the series while giving you maybe a smaller story each episode. And it's different. I mean, it's different from seeing live theater because, you know, even though with live theater, it's kind of like a movie, it moves on its own time. It lacks the spectacle that a movie can give you. It lacks the, you know, the, the scene changes and the, Effect. You know, you're limited to what you can do on stage live in front of people. And then it's also different from like a mini series or a limited series because of the time constraint. A limited series has so much time and room to explain things, side stories, character development, all of that. But a movie, so a director really only has between like 80 minutes and 180 minutes to do everything from A to Z. So that's like maybe an hour and a half to three hours. And that's a, that's a tough like thing to do. You have 180 minutes max and that's a three hour movie to tell a story. And a lot of good movies do it in way less than that. So I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about how movies are a different way to tell a story than books or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when it comes down to it, I mean, it's a completely different, oh, what's the word? What's the word? Um, form or media, you know, mm-hmm. media, media, you know, with movies, you can, you can, you can expand that. You can take it farther. This VFX, it is on its own. It, it is in itself so unique that nothing else can beat it i mean the only other medium that really comes i i would say close to that is you know like video games and and, and in and in and of itself mm-hmm. movies are able to take someone's imagination and or like wildest dream like literally a lot of these stories come from you know thoughts or you know maybe their dreams mm-hmm. and take it and put it into something that is in itself viewable to the audience it's essentially a way to take what's in the person's brain and put it on the big screen. Right. And do so in a very limited time frame, And then to be able to tell a, a full story and get us to invest in characters. And keep you on it. Keep you like watching. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's done in different ways. That's done through like the psychological thriller or, you know, what's a mm-hmm. lot of people would really six people in most of the time is like, the action, like Tom, Mission Impossible. I mean, when people go into those movies, you know, they're, they're not there. They're not there for Tom Cruise as acting. They're there for him running explosions, <laughs> the whole shabam. So they're not there for Tom Cruise's acting. No, okay, I would be. I mean, they maybe in his younger years. <laughs> you know, like oh the God. Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Last that was a good movie too. Yeah. One of the things that occurred to me at some point 
when it comes to movies is I realized that I was kind of inadvertently categorizing movies in my mind without realizing it. And it wasn't that I was really grouping them by, you know, genre or anything like that. It was, it was something else. So I put movies in my mind and I always have into kind of three different categories. So the first being, you know, movies that I've seen, I don't have any interest in ever watching again, not necessarily bad. I mean, these are the bad movies, but not necessarily bad, but movies that sort of came and went and I just didn't give a shit about. There's a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, you watch a movie and it it is what it is. And you're like, I can go on with my life. Yeah, but you don't ever think about it again. No, you don't ever like watch it again. You know, sometimes really. I sometimes I wonder how many movies I've actually seen and how many just never made it into my memory at all that I I couldn't even tell you. Jeez, no, the there's B, a lot. B movie, B movies. Uh, I do. My brain. I do like B movies though. B movies are. I guess I would classify B movies as like kind of low budget, like trying but trying really hard to take itself seriously and it fails at such an epic level that it's just hilarious to watch like that's what a b movie would be and i like those actually like the room yeah. with tommy wiseau uh that, that, that movie is just a uh, it's a train wreck it's a train wreck. it's a train wreck if you've never seen the room Written, directed, produced, and starring Tommy Wiseau. All those credits are his. (laughs) You need to watch it because it's a train wreck. It's not good. It's not good in any way, shape, or form. But it's got a massive cult following, and I actually love it. I love The Room. I could watch. That's another one that I could do an episode on. A lot of people don't wonder. I don't know if people don't realize this. They wonder, where the hell does Tommy get his money from? It ain't from the movie. That's a mystery. Because he had it before. I think, he, I think he sells like like underwear like of himself and things like that. <laughs> oh, literally. Okay, funny start. Okay, before we move on, um, I actually saw Tommy Wiseau. So when I was in grad school, I was at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I had a group of friends and we used to have B-movie nights together. So we would bring like the worst fucking movie that we could possibly think of and just you know, drink, smoke a little, watch this hilarious movie and talk about it. Well, one of them introduced us to The Room by Tommy Wiseau, and we loved it. We could not get enough. And then later that year, the um, the Oriental Theater in downtown Milwaukee, that's like, it's over on the Lower East Side. And it was showing... The room. It's like a. It's like one of those historical, like landmark theaters. It's really beautiful inside. Um, but it was showing the room, and it was going to have a Q and A with Tommy Wiseau at the end, and then there was he was going to do like an autograph signing. So it was a total train wreck. Oh, like no, no. It, I mean, it was the movie was a train wreck because it is, and then. Tommy Wiseau got up on stage and answered questions in his weird voice. So he just sounds like that? He just sounds like that. He just sounds like that. If you don't know who Tommy Wiseau is, Google search like a 
I don't know, like a recording of his voice. Nobody knows where this guy's from. I don't know what accent this is. He just sounds like he had a seizure at some point. Like he had a stroke and like now is I don't know, but he's so delusional and weird. Anyway, so I there's a line in the movie The Room and uh it's where Tommy Wiseau goes, You're tearing me apart, Lisa. So I bought a shirt that had a picture of him doing that and it said, You're tearing me apart, Lisa. And I got I went in line, I got it autographed by him, and he <laughs> asked he looked up and he asked me what my name was, and I said, <coughs> My name is my name is Dominique. And instead of like saying to Dominique from Tommy, he wrote Dominique Hearts Tommy, Tommy. and then wrote his name. <laughs> Oh, it was like, yeah, baby, you love me. Yeah, it was fucking weird. All anyway, the women love me. I'm, I'm so tired. sorry. So we're talking about categories of movies that I've made in my mind. First one, ones I have no interest in watching ever again. Second cut category would be movies that I think are good. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with them or bad per se, I mean, I've watched a lot of wonderful movies in this category, but I just, I never have to see them again. I don't ever have to see it again. It was good, but like, there's no reason for me to watch it again. Do you have any movies like that? Wanted. Ever seen Wanted? Wanted. Yeah, um, all the bad boys. I mean, all the bad boys, like... Wait, which one is Wanted again? Wanted with, uh, it's uh, it's the one with um, James Mack... James McAvoy. Yeah. It's James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie. They, they curve bullets. Oh, it's, it's, that it's, one. Yeah, it's, it's based off the Mark Miller um, okay. book. And uh, it's funny because in the Mark Miller book, um, the guy who like is, plays Wesley, he looks like Eminem. He's drawn to look like Eminem. That's pretty cool. So that one for you, like, you felt like it was fine? Yeah. Well, you know, what you I mean? enjoyed it? You didn't yeah. have anything necessarily, like super critical about it oh, well one thing i think was pretty good was watching chris pratt um get his uh get his teeth smashed in by the, by the <laughs> fuck you keyboard i hate chris pratt oh god i fucking hate chris pratt oh god i fucking hate that man everyone's entitled to their own opinion. i hate that man. that man that man oh he's a son of a bitch oh, oh i'm sorry I continue. someone's got a personal vendetta <laughs> i got no wrong with chris pratt he's funny <laughs> but yeah no i would say that and uh like mr magoo you watch mr magoo I did, yeah, yes. as a kid. Yes, yeah. the movie. Yes, my... Live action. I remember, like, my grandma, Joan, on my dad's side. I would go to visit her some weekends, and I think she had that movie on VHS. All right, getting back to it. The third category, though, is the reason kind of why I decided to make this podcast. There's, there's something special about some movies. Like, these are movies that I could watch a hundred times and not get sick of. And more than that, like these are the types of movies that have had such a profound impact on me in one way or the other that every time I watch it, I can still feel not only that impact, but I almost learn something new from the movie every time I watch it. Eventually what I realized is that everybody has their own like third type of these movies Obviously, these types of movies are very different for everyone, and they speak to people in very different ways. But my goal here with this podcast is to sort of figure out why that is. You know, what makes a movie so profound, so powerful, 
so interesting that you can continue to watch it over and over and not get sick of it. Hence, Napoleon Dynamite. Well, people might disagree because people really are. People will. Because I've had people people who say, like, this Napoleon Dynamite, I can't even watch. This movie's stupid. What the hell is it about? Like, what what are you. That's so funny because I've never met anybody who didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. A lot of people didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. That's so funny. I hate it. I hate it. It's like they find no interest. It's one of those movies that, eh, fine, they don't need to watch it again. Whereas, like, me and you, like, I love that. I can go back to it every time. I know. I, it's crazy because my dad and I don't really, I don't really know if we share the same sense of humor, but he loves this movie. Like, and it's so unexpected (laughs) for me that he loves this movie. I just remember him, like, talking about it when we brought it up to him at some point and he was like, Oh my God, I love that movie. (laughs) I'm like, are you serious? It's Napoleon dynamite. You love it. But I don't know. I, I can kind of see it. It it's, it's a great film. So I want to give, before we dive in, I'm going to give us a a synopsis, like a high level overview. Okay. High level baby. Yeah. It's kind of, honestly, it's kind of hard to give this movie a synopsis (laughs) because it almost feels like the movie itself is more focused on the everyday life of the characters than it is about the story it's trying to tell. And part of me feels like that's what makes the movie so popular, right? You're you're literally just watching a day in the life of this, you know, Napoleon wakes up, goes to school. Like you, you see every day he goes to school. I don't think we haven't seen the day he hasn't gone to school. We always see him. It starts the way it ended. The, you know, the the last thing before before the the election type thing that Pedro's mm-hmm. doing is we see him go to school, wake yeah. up, take the same bus, and he goes. It's just a day in the life, you know. And then it yeah. just ends. You know, there's no big bombastic, you know, consistent over. Like, there's an overarching narrative, but you know, he's just watching that day in the life of Napoleon. Yeah, and his family. I know that's part of why I love this movie so much. Okay, so obviously this podcast is called Spoilers. For a reason, uh, I'm about to tell you the whole plot of Napoleon Dynamite. So, I guess, fair warning. Spoilers. <laughs> All right, so Napoleon Dynamite is a teenager in a small town in Idaho. He lives with his grandmother and his brother. His brother's name is Kip. Napoleon is kind of an odd duck. There's a lot of odd ducks in this town. I mean, he gets bullied. He doesn't really have any friends. And I guess, okay, how would you describe Napoleon, Josh? I would describe him as an uber genie. Uber genie. What do you mean by that? Honestly, I I, I would describe him as that oddball. You know, that that one kid that you'd come in every day and, you know, he, he would be sitting there, you know, just drawing animals or anime characters but in this case yeah. he's drawing ligers and tigers and warriors unicorns, like you know, warlocks you mm-hmm. know, and all this and you know it, it would be that one to make those extravagant stories you know oh i, I went hunting with my dad last weekend and we shot bucks you know <laughs> oh, he got attacked by a lion but in reality you know but he's such an uber like I don't know if I want to say this, but like stereotypical loser, nerd, weirdo. He's got this big curly like fro kind of thing and he's got this 
big he, long he, nose. He looks and these like his weird brain glasses. never moves. He looks like his brain. It looks like, like there's nothing going on in his brain when he just sitting there. He has no facial expressions. No, no you don't know. If, don't only you know he's just like just like mouth movement. His eyes are never all the way open. No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. The story goes that Napoleon's grandmother gets injured in a biking accident. She breaks her coccyx. Her her coccyx. What is that? Her coccyx. I don't know. I would ask you. (laughs) I don't know either. She's in a a biking accident in the desert. So their Uncle Rico (laughs) comes to watch them, which, by the way, in its own right is hilarious because Napoleon is like, 16 or 17, I'm guessing, and his brother is 32. <laughs> and we find that out nonchalant. Just, I know, you know, and Napoleon makes this statement, you know, like, you know, Kip is like 32 years old. Kip's but Kip's like, like 32 years old. Yeah. You don't have to watch us. <laughs> I don't mind. So, Uncle Rico, I would describe as your, like, typical, like, creepy uncle who basically peaked in high school. Like, he talks a lot about this like last football game he ever played and if the coach had put him in He's during put me in on the last quarter. Yeah. Uh, we we, we, we would have gone to state. We would have gone to state champions and oh God. God things would have changed. <laughs> so he kind of blames, I think, his lack of success on that. And he lives out in a trailer, like in the middle of nowhere, and just records videos of himself throwing a football around. <laughs> We no, we get no reasoning why, dude. Like we, we don't. There's never it's said. Never said why past. he's doing it. But then no one's ever said why he's doing it. It's probably for his. Is he's probably really delusional. It's probably a coping mechanism because we don't. Probably. Nobody said. Well, I mean, he peaked in high school. Like he blames all of his problems on. I don't know this. Like he didn't get. He blames the problem on everybody. His wife. His wife was holding him back. Says I lived too much in the past. Ah, don't. <laughs> Wow. That's true. He does. He's an asshole. Anyway, so Uncle Rico also, by the way, convinces Kip to help him with uh, what seems to me like a multi-level marketing scheme, selling Tupperware. It starts out as Tupperware. Yeah. It starts out as Tupperware. It starts but, out as Tupperware. But we find that's anything. <laughs> anyway, like I said, giving a high-level like overview, Napoleon befriends a girl named Deb who sells her keychains and photography services door-to-door to to help save up for college. Um, And he also befriends a new kid at school named Pedro. It's sort of presumed that Napoleon, like, has a thing for Deb throughout the movie, right? Like, I mean, you can see It doesn't come on at first. No, it doesn't come on at first. It's literally not... Not at first. Not at first. But you can kind of tell that he's got, like, a thing for her, right? All right. So he's friends with he becomes friends with Deb and Pedro. Meanwhile, Uncle Rico and Kip they try to start their Tupperware business, while Kip also tries to navigate how to keep up his online chat room schedule and his online relationship with his girlfriend Lafonda. Lafonda, who eventually Woo. comes to visit him later in the film by a bus. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, shortly there, I, I'm maybe mixing up, like, some of the timelines as, as to the order. I'm just trying to give, like, an overall, like, what the hell's going oh, yeah, on in this movie. These are events, Yeah. So, in addition, uh, Pedro ends up asking Summer, who's the most popular girl in school, to the dance. And he gets rejected, and then he ends up going with Deb. 
It was just plan B the whole time. Much to Napoleon's dismay. I think Napoleon is a little pissed when he finds out that he's that Pedro's going with Dab. He just had a backup plan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon ends up going with Trisha, who's another popular girl, but he only ends up going with her because he drew a picture of her, which is a fucking hilarious picture. And then he brings it to her house only to realize that not only is Trisha not there, but Uncle Rico was there selling Tupperware to Trisha's mom. <laughs> so after Uncle Rico tells Trisha's mom that he's a tender little guy who still wets the bed, All the time. Trisha's mom ends up forcing her, Trisha to go to the dance with Napoleon because she feels bad. Can for we him. talk about the picture? Like it basically, she uh, basically she looked like Rango. I mean, her <laughs> eyes were just like. Her whole face was, like, expanded. It, oh, my God. It was, it was such a weird... It's so funny. Like Apparently, it was one of his best. But it's it's hilarious because this guy, like, loves to draw. And he's such a bad drawer. But he's, like, so into it anyway. Oh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, so Pedro decides to run for class president with the help of Napoleon and Deb. For Pedro. Vote for Pedro. But uh, during the campaign, Uncle Rico tries to sell Deb a breast enhancement product, claiming it was Napoleon's suggestion. Bust must. Bust must, baby. Bust is a must. (laughs) And this causes her to break off their friendship. So on election day, uh, Pedro is informed that he needs to give a presentation to accompany his speech, which... He did like not know skit. about it. Presentation, like a skit. Yeah, it's a skit, whatever. Something. Show us what you got. But Napoleon comes to the rescue by pulling out a mixtape that La Fonda gave him and proceeds to execute the iconic dance scene that we all know and love. Oh, like the, the breakdown with the moon boots, mm-hmm. the Boba Pedro shirt. Yes. The hair just like permed oh up. Oh my God. Wasn't it, wasn't it Jared Hess that actually did that? Do we know he if did. Like, he did the whole dance? Absolutely like, he did. Yeah, he, yes, he did. Uh, yeah. He was <laughs> So in the end, everything ends up sort of working out for everybody. Pedro wins the election. Napoleon's grandma comes home. Kit moves out and goes off with LaFonda, and Uncle Rico goes back to his trailer, where he ends up meeting a girl oh, who's just, like, woman. rides like, up on a bike. He rides up, and she, she's not bad either. Like, she wasn't there. It's just like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> Uncle was, Rico gets a happy ending. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and, and Tushy, you know, maybe she's going to kill him. You know, I don't know. We'll never know. But also, Napoleon ends up reconciling his friendship with Deb, and the film ends as the camera pans out, and Napoleon is playing a game of tetherball with Deb. And he kicks her ass, <laughs> which I think is hilarious, because it's clear that he likes her, like, but he, like, unapologetically just kicks her ass at tetherball. Uh, and I think and, and another thing to go back to about how, like, it's just in the day of life, I think it's, like, a week. Like, like how long like how long went by like, if you were to imagine the timeline of events? It's got to have been, like, so factoring in, like, a student council election and the dance and asking people to go to the, I don't know. It must've been like a a week or two, two at least like two weeks, maybe Uh, at least least. maybe more. I don't know, but okay. All right, Josh, tell me about 
your first time seeing this movie? Like, how old were you? What was it like? How did you walk away from seeing this movie for the first time? Wow, now I gotta go back in time. <clears throat> let me just get my, let me just get the crystals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me just get this thing nice and tight between my crotch. Let me just get this, let me just get the crystals. Yeah, I'm about to go back in time. No, I, Jesus, I, I, uh, Oh, yes. Okay, I remember now. So it, it, I had been talked about for a while. I'd never seen it, but mm-hmm. my dad's friend um, would always joke about it. He'd like, vote for Pedro. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Have you never seen Napoleon Dynamite? Wait, how old were you? Uh, I was. I must have been at least about 13, okay. you know, 13, 14 at the time, I want to say. Okay. And um, he, he, he was very um, – this is uh, – Basically, he he would pirate DVDs. So mm-hmm. we we had like we had one of those like folded like things that everyone had back in the day, like full of just DVDs. Oh, like a DVD sleeve, yeah, like a, a like a case, yeah, and case then you like flip the pages yep. back and forth, and yes, there was like indeed. yes, indeed. yeah. But long story short, is when weekend came around, and um, he was hanging out with my dad, and my dad came home, a few drinks, things like that, and he had the movie, and you know, and and I remember being late up, you know, it was late at night, and everyone was sleeping and all that, and I go to watch, it and like I'm just. I'm just, I just don't get it, but like I've heard all about it, and I sit there and I watch, it and I just thought it was just a great movie. Like I, I wanted to watch it again. Like it just, it just, I felt like I was hanging out with Napoleon, you know, like we were, we were doing this whole thing together. You know, it was really cool. I, I really liked it, and I, I remember really enjoying it, and then watching it a lot, a lot, like a lot to where I got annoyed that I was watching it. Jesus Christ, he's always watching this movie. That, and I'm like, God, but I love it. Yeah, so I think I. I, okay, so this movie came out in 2004, so when, so it, Jesus. when it came out, I was like early high school. I think I was a freshman or a sophomore. People were talking about it at school, but then, but like I had never seen it. And I think I, I think I saw it at a friend's house. Like I was over at a friend's house and it was on. I remember like watching it and thinking like, I didn't know what to think. Like, I thought it was, I thought the one-liners were funny, but I was like, this movie isn't about anything. But then I watched it again in college for the second time, which was, would have been like maybe five or six years later People at that should point. should be studying that movie in college. Yeah, seriously. It's fantastic. We are studying the But I, I think I appreciated it <coughs> more in college because like looking back on it, you know, it, it is so, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's not trying to be anything. It's not trying at all. Mm-hmm. And you can see this in so many places in the movie. Like talk about the introduction where the, all the food plates are being yeah. laid out. There's like a lunch tray and there's like a, there's like nachos. And the lemon head. Yeah, the lemon heads. The lemon heads, yeah. They're and the and, and all this. the hamburger like, looked good. I, I, like that was one of the things that I told you, and I told him, like at least out of everything that was passed through, and I don't know why it just came to me, but like I would always get hungry when the hamburger would show up at the end because it it, besides minus the mayonnaise, oh, I don't know, like a good burger. <laughs> I mean, but no, like what, the the nachos with like the cheese that was clearly melted on it in the microwave yeah. with like a dollop of sour cream. Oh. I'm like. How much more middle America can you get? Like that is, like people actually eat that. Yeah, and the whole town. Like I. Yeah. Let's also speak about the town and mm-hmm. where this was shot at for a moment. It was like basically these people lived like that. Like 
besides obviously the main obvious actors that were there, a lot of the people there in the high school and all that were just the actual people who lived in that tunnel where it was shot at. That's true. And farmers. Apparently the farmers were just them too. Uh, no, that's actually true. I was, as I was doing some research for this movie, I was reading and I watched a couple of interviews and they were talking about how, you know, that amazing scene where the guy shoots the cow <laughs> as the school bus is driving and they, all the kids see it and they scream. Hello. So apparently, so in that scene, we see the farmer aiming a shotgun at a cow's face. Did he really kill the cow? I don't think so. I No, not for a movie. They no, wouldn't have allowed yeah, that. I don't know. We have to watch at the end to see if they show the animals weren't harmed in this. They would not have done that. For, I don't think they killed that cow, babe. Might have been an accident. They, they were probably like, oh, he's, the, the man's doing something. Pull, Jared, get right here. We're about to shoot the scene of you coming out. We're about to get the kids. Let's let's see what he does. Oh, <laughs> God. We got to have, oh, God. Good thing we had these kids sign this paperwork. <laughs> Uh, but, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, just okay. whole thought just came to my head. No, it's okay. So apparently, with that scene, we've got a farmer like aiming a shotgun at a cow's face as a bus full of children drives past, and the bus passes between Napoleon and the farmer. Napoleon's at his front door looking out, and the bus the bus passes between them, and the shotgun goes off. And the the kids scream. So obviously, like we don't see the cow's head getting blown off, but. The interesting thing about that shot is that that actor was not really an actor. He was just a farmer in that town. And they asked him to do that, but they gave him a gun that he was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is not the kind of gun you'd use to do this. And that's why he struggles with it for a second. Oh. But that's really him struggling. Oh, so he, oh, yeah, so, so he's, he's like, really wait, this goddamn thing. Wait, he doesn't even sound like that, right? He sounds like that. Like, you can't even hear yeah. him. Is he yeah. really talking like that? He's really talking like that. That's really him. And there's also the guy later that just starts yeah. gulping the, the, the eggs. Uh, I, uh, you seen oh, yeah, there's another scene with this, this same actor that uh, oh, shoots, the, uh, shoots the cow in the face. But uh, no, that that was him just doing that, and he's holding a gun, and he's like, "How the fuck did like this isn't what you would use to?" Oh wait, here yeah, it is. Here it is. Things. It, yeah, so that's actually him doing that, and I just fucking love that. But okay, another question. This movie premiered at the 2004 Sundance Film Festival, not. Slam dance. Slam dance at the Meadow. <laughs> it ended up, so it had a budget of $400,000. Jesus. And it grossed over $46 million Oh, that's like, oh, that's like, Jesus, man. Like, that, that how, on percentage of how, how much of an increase is that? Like, how much of a, like, profit is that? Well, Josh, if my calculations are correct, yeah, I would say that that's a metric fuck ton. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Jesus. But, like, I want to know, what do you think makes this movie as... What do you what do you think made this movie as successful as it was? Oh, how, uh, it was basically how, how much it stood out from everything at the time. This movie just came out of nowhere. MTV was also involved at the time. MTV was highly heavy. When, when you saw the name MTV, that was like, oh, you know, this is like, I'm going to watch it, you know, like, you know, cool. Right. You're thinking of when you see the MTV, like, 
endorsement. I didn't know MTV at that time, jackass. Well, because MTV used to make like um, they, music videos. They well, yeah, music videos. But they they used to make like or sponsor like movies that had come out, like anything by Tom Green or whatever. So to see that, like, you were thinking, oh, this is going to be really funny. This is going to be for teens. This is going to be, like... And also yeah. how it was promoted in the commercials. But also, like, I think I got to say that really sold it, I, I think, was really, like, what it was and how it how it stood out at the time, especially with what was coming out around that time. And think mm-hmm. about 2004. Yeah. I mean, if you could really think what movies were coming out in, in 2004 that were, like, funny. Yeah, that's a good question. So I was... I would have been... 14 at the time and honestly like my mom and I would go to the movie theaters together like all the time and we would mostly see like serious movies and the funny movies just didn't hit as good as they did in the 90s like in the 90s there was this massive like boom of slapstick comedy with Jim Carrey and Steve Carell well Steve Steve Carell. Well, he didn't really come out into comedy oh. like until maybe the two thousands. I'm thinking Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, though, yes, Adam Sandler, yeah, yes. Adam Sandler. Like, so that was kind of the you know this is the funniest movie type of movies. And once it got into the two thousands, like those actors weren't really making like funny movies anymore, yeah, except for except for like a few. There were a few things like. 40-Year-Old you know, Virgin. 40-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, I don't know what year that came out. That came out in 2001. They didn't come out in the 90s. came out in the 2000s. Right, right, right. Definitely. Maybe later, though. Uh, but but it just, you know, it the the movies that were so funny or looked so funny that you had to go see, like, exactly they just weren't really coming out anymore. Yeah. Um, so, no, you're right. There's definitely a lot of, like, good, good 2000s movies that are funny with with a lot of those same actors, but it just didn't hit like the nineties. Huh. So I don't think I necessarily was really paying attention to comedies. And also I don't know if my mom would have wanted to go see those types of movies. Oh no, your mom wouldn't have liked Napoleon Dynamite. Do you think <laughs> do you think your mom would like Napoleon Dynamite? I asked her in the car the other day um if she liked it and she said she saw it but she doesn't remember it. Oh, I think it's been a long time. Yeah. We gotta watch this movie with her. Yeah, I think she yeah. TV fat lord, go get some dinner. <laughs> okay, do you wanna go into some fun facts? Ooh. About the facts. Alright, I'm gonna tell you about these facts and I want you to it's like the beginning of the movie before the movie starts. Like these TiVo facts. <laughs> with Marina Menunes. <laughs> you know the scene where Uncle Rico and Kip are sitting out on the front steps? And Uncle Rico's talking about how, you know, if they just put me in in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then he's like, how much you bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah. Okay, so Napoleon rides up on a bike and Pedro's on the back on the pegs. And Uncle Rico, like, stands up and throws the steak at Napoleon. Right? You know yeah, he's saying, Molly Wops. It's just yeah, me. Yeah. Okay, so previously you and I both thought that during that scene where they're like, he's with Kip on the steps and they're like cutting the steak and eating it and all that. You and I previously thought that 
Uncle Rico only like chewed it but didn't swallow it yeah. because he was vegetarian. Yeah, right. He was. Yeah, I saw that in a, I saw that in the movie theater facts with Marina Menounes. Yeah, Menounes. but I was I listened to uh, an interview with the actor. Uh, what's the actor's name? John, John Grease. Yeah, John Grease. Yeah, Greaseball. <laughs> Uncle Rico is a grease ball, though. <laughs> He's such a grease ball. He's Not so disgusting. He's like the stereotypical, like, Touchy creepy uncle. uncle. Yeah. So, apparently, so I was watching this interview with him when I was researching the film, and apparently it it, it wasn't that he was vegetarian. Like, apparently now he's vegan or vegetarian or whatever, but he wasn't at the time. He wasn't, ve- he wasn't vegan at the time? Not at the time, oh. no. He said the reason is because they cooked a bunch of steaks for that shot in the morning, but then they didn't get to that shot for like hours and hours. Oh. So basically he was like eating, having to put this food in his mouth and chewing it and, and shit like oh. over and over, like, you know, to get the shot. And it was fucking gross. So that looked disgusting too. that's why ah. he spit it out. He just, ah, <laughs> oh, Are you yeah. okay? It just didn't look good. Ooh. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Jesus. I'm so sorry to have grossed you out so much. Anyway, the other fun fact about that scene is that John Grease actually threw the stake that hit Napoleon in the face. Was it was it one shot or yeah. did he have to do it a few shots? I I think it was I think it was in a couple, act, yeah, a couple yeah, shots. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. He did that the first take. Sure. That would have been like But uh, he's the one that like uh-huh. threw the stake. <laughs> like, yeah. He just like, yeets yeah. it right in his face, too. That was so, so that was one of those old steaks. Ugh, he got slapped yeah. with an old morning steak. And also, I, as we were, because we watched this movie together last night, also. Pre-work. When, mm-hmm, research, yep. When he goes to sit back down after throwing the steak, if you watch, you can see him spit the steak into his hand. Uh, from his mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Jesus. Kip got okay? lucky, yeah. Alright, another fun fact. The film was shot in only 22 days. Really? Only 22? Whoa! Really? Yeah, that's, that's three like, weeks. Jesus. Oh my god, the whole movie was shot in three weeks? I'm guessing. And things like that after. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, of course, edited yeah. and stuff. I don't know if they mean 22 days like in a row or... Like over time. Yeah, because they probably had the schedules and things like that. But I maybe don't know, I don't know what I don't know what else they were doing. It was before such a that. it was such a low budget film. Yeah. What the fuck else were they doing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, fun fact for Napoleon's dance routine, the director had John Heater improvise and dance to three different songs, and then Hess took the best moves from each song, and then like. <laughs> put him into one routine. Like he developed a routine from John Heater, like doing three different dances to three different songs. Oh, they just did yeah. them, They mashed them all together. Well, that was very good then. Oh my God. Yeah. He didn't have any, he didn't, they didn't hire like a dance instructor. And... No, apparently not. Also continuing on with this fact, um, John Heater's dance scene was supposed to be the last scene scheduled to film, but they ran out of film while shooting it. What they end up having to do? They see the the sequence is edited together from ten minutes of his dancing. 
So they only got him dancing for 10 minutes and they edited together the best shots from those scenes to make that a final. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they couldn't, they couldn't buy any more film. Right? Oh, that's incredible. I did not know that. Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that John Heater drew almost all of the drawings for the film? I was wondering about that's that. That's him. Really? That's his. Yeah. Uh, so he, he drew Trisha's pictures. Yeah. No, I mean, was it? No, the, it was, it was the, Trisha. Yeah, it was Trisha. Yeah, the only one he didn't draw, I guess, is the unicorn. Oh. Mm-hmm. I say, I thought that one was the one that was the most well done. Unfortunate. All right, Josh. I want to know things that you noticed about the film as we were watching it yesterday like what are some things that you found i don't know they that just like made you want to think about it more the the whole opening i think the whole opening and like how how these items were picked out and if you think about like the lipstick they had the they had the like make, the chapstick yeah they had the make chapstick wrap for it mm-hmm. they had to edit these items i thought that was very unique and that was very yeah because because they they did like Okay, so the the opening is you know a series yes. of like Food different types of foods and items. Just like you, items. I think the items kind of go through the plot of the story if you think about it a little bit. Like the steak, we got the notebook. It's the high school. The drawings. Yeah, we got the drawing. Ah, there's like a the pencil. There there's too. like a pencil and a protractor yeah. where like the hands come in and they like they move the pencils to where like oh, it's. Yeah. You know, it says the name of the people on it. That's such a creative opening. And the thing I love about the opening is that it's so, it, it's not trying to be anything. It's it's not trying at all. It's, it just is exactly what it is. And it's so relatable in that way. I mean, I went to high school in a small town in Wisconsin. My high school experience was so similar to what I saw in Napoleon Dynamite. You know the scene where he's sitting in the bench on the locker room and he's telling the, the jocks story, like, yeah, yeah the story like, I was hunting wolverines in yeah. Alaska. That scene, they're all wearing these PE shirts. Yeah, I, was wondering, yeah, I, I, I had that same had PE that? shirt. No, yes, where you, that. yes, I had that same PE shirt where you had to... Everyone got the same one. Girls got one color. Boys got another color. And you had to write your last name in marker on the shirt. Jesus. Yeah. I never had that. No? No? They They were like, just bring your own shirt. No, you show up with shorts, you get a passing grade. (laughs) Forget about it. People couldn't even do that. Oh, my God. But no, I love that opening. Um, the, our first introduction to Kip when when Napoleon when it, it's so relatable. Napoleon calls like the nurse's office, just having me like I want to go home. You know, like I've had I've, I've used the nurse's <laughs> phone to like same yeah. same for me. Like it was exactly the same as it was in his high school. You had to go up to like this like side window yeah. by the office, and like she had a sliding glass door. Can I help you, please? Yeah. Like like DMV. <laughs> Just ask if you can borrow some of the school nurses. I know she has like five sticks in there. <laughs> so he's like grating this like giant. He's like a giant <laughs> brick of cheese. He's just like, what are you doing, Kip? Like you're 32 years old. Oh, wait, you're talking about uh, when Napoleon is calling Kip on the yes. phone during that scene yeah. where he's trying to get Kip to come pick him up, and he's Kip. like, what? "Well, can you bring me my chapstick at least?" And then Kip is like, "Just borrow some from the school nurse." Yeah. <laughs> 
He's their grain cheese. And the more you think about it, it's and like, it's, what does Kip do? He's, so, you're talking about how, like, when he answers the phone, when Napoleon calls him, he's, like, grating this gigantic brick of cheese. It's, like, massive. And he's got, he's grating cheese over, like, like nachos. corn chips. And that's probably the nachos. He's probably He's going to make, like, nachos in the, in the microwave. <laughs> he's probably making the nachos that you saw when, <laughs> yeah. you know, when they were Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I'd also say the whole thing with Rex. Let's not let's not forget about Rex Quando. Rex Quando. Okay, you know, like let's talk about how unique that whole scene was. Like, it, I it, have the, so much to say about that, this. That was so <laughs> hilarious. And then, Rex Quando. I love the character Rex Quando, and I love when he asks Napoleon to. That was Kip. Uh, yeah, Kip. Yeah. Kip hangs on and then he's on his way to go see Rex Quando. It'd be nice if you could pull me into town. And he yeah, puts Kip. his rollerblades on and then he just like hangs on as Napoleon rides his bike. <laughs> okay, here's something I noticed uh, when we were watching it last night. So I take karate lessons. And where I go to take karate lessons, you know, there's a, there's a form to it. You know, you bow when you enter the room yeah. and you bow when you leave it. And, you know, they, there's, you know, these intentions. Oh, you got to bow? Yeah, you do. You do. You have to bow before you enter the room to learn and bow when you leave it. But there's these intentions on the, the wall around and, the, and it tells you, like, the basic tenets of karate. You promise to, you know, never use karate for violence, only it. use it for self-defense or protecting others. And become a weapon. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just stuff like that. You know, you, just vows that you make as you practice karate. So I thought it was really interesting because I was, like, looking around the, the little space. Yeah. Just, you know, because I, like, I, I'm I doing see, that yeah, stuff now. And I read the intentions on Rex Quando's well. What were his intentions? It says, I shall respect Rex. <laughs> I shall never misuse Rex Quando. Never. I shall be a champion of freedom and justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, they, and, 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 and they have to wear all the pants that Rex wears. Those giant. Oh ass. my like, what god! Are, what are you call those? Like this is the hammer. This is the it was just, hammer pants. It was like these big puffy like sweatpants, yeah, parachute like, pants. pants, parachute. Yeah, I don't kick, fucking know. Parachute, kick your ass pants. Like you see, like. But it was one like was like stars, and the other one was stripes. So it was like American, like. Jesus, you, you, what, the, what the hell was that line? The hell was it? Because he, he was talking about that. He was talking about the pants. Fuck. Oh, I oh you wish you could get your ass kicked by someone in these pants? Yeah, something yeah. Like that. yeah something, something like that. Something like that. Fuck. Do you think anyone thinks I'm a failure because I go home to Starlight yeah, night? Yeah! Uh, forget about it! I feel like Napoleon's grandmother is so cool. Like, why is she so cool and she's got these two deadbeat, like, where, grandsons? Where's his mom and dad at? Where are their like, I don't know. Like, who's uncle? So their uncle Rico, who, who's their, who's the uncle of? The mom or the dad? And where the hell are they? I have no idea. They're just growing up with their grandma. And she's so cool. She's got friends that, like, go out to the desert with her. And sand they, like, dunes. dirt bike around the sand dunes uh, and shit. She broke her cock eggs. Cock <laughs> Cockaches or coxes? Cockaches. 
I don't know. We'll never know. You broke her coccyx. We'll look it up after. Is it is it coccyx or coccyx? I like to say coccyx. (laughs) No, you like to say that. (laughs) Oh my god. So okay, I want to ask you just to close this out. I have a couple questions for you. Getting back to like deeper substance of the film. We're really towards the end here. We're closing it out. Yeah. What are the closers? All right, Josh. I want you to choose, so when talking about, like, one-liners, this movie is filled with one-liners. It's rife with them. We use them all the time. So, number one, what is the one-liner from the movie you use the most? Number two, what's your favorite one-liner? And number three, what do you think is the most underrated and and or unnoticed one-liner? First one is, gosh. Uh, the second one is, uh, <laughs> Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. That's your favorite. Yeah. Okay. And I think the one that's most underrated is, uh, she broke her cockix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she broke her cockix. Oh, my God. I'm going to need to look that up uh, to see exactly, like, <laughs> that is. She broke it. Okay. All right. Mine. So the one-liner I use the most from this movie is... I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. <laughs> La Fonda. Number two, my favorite one-liner is, I see you're drinking 1%. Is that because you think you're fat? Because <laughs> you're not. You could be drinking whole milk if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, um, so this is this is when... Uncle Kip is showing. Uncle Kip. Or sorry, Uncle Your Rico. Show- oh my God, oh. Uncle Rico is showing them a video of him throwing a football around. Napoleon goes, "This is basically the worst movie ever," <laughs> or something like that. And my favorite, like underrated, unnoticed one-liner is Napoleon. Like anyone could know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I... I just love that one. It's like I really thought your second was gonna be La, uh, what the hell is it? La Fonda is like the, like the best thing that's ever happened to me. La Fonda is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was after Kip got turned into an OG. He got, he got ignited. He got knighted. He got the equivalent of knighted by La Fonda with his gold chain, with his silver oh. chain. I want to ask you another question. Okay, when you look at the character Napoleon, why do you think he, number one, consistently tells people lies about himself? And number two, why do we still love him in spite of that? So like some examples, like he lies to Pedro about like having a girlfriend. He like shows him this like picture. Yeah, that That's, his some, that That's his only friend. That's his only friend. He lies about wolverines, like hunting the wolverines. Um, In Alaska, fighting wolverines. He lies about his mad bow skills. He's always like telling people shit about himself that's not true. Why do we love him so much? Because he's so relatable. I mean, because he just he he wants to have been able to do something. You know, like he doesn't do anything. You know, he's not able to. Like he has to fabricate up these stories to make his life cool and seem cool. Yeah. But he does it so quick that it's, you know, it, it's it's just like, like 
right on cue. And mm-hmm. I think that's very relatable. And, you know, he's funny. He does it because it's so funny because they're so, like, out there. Like, he doesn't, like, just say, like, <laughs> yeah, I was chilling with my dad, like, last weekend. Like, yeah, we had a good time. He blows no, it away out of proportion. Like, we were chilling in Alaska fighting Wolverines. They were, they were going to get my cousins. Yeah. What do you think I did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even quoting the movie no, right at this point. No, we, we broke it down. I I agree though. I mean, so when I was in high school, I was friends with Napoleons. Like Napoleons, is there were them now, Napoleons. There were Napoleons that I knew. Called dynamites. Yeah, they were they were Napoleon. They were like him, very similar to him. Maybe like you know, some of them had traits of Napoleon that like others didn't, but. Yeah, I was in a friend group of like full of Napoleons, male and female. Okay. So I feel like, you know, there's a special place in my heart for like that level of, you know, being an outsider and being made fun of perpetually and yet still having, you know, all the same feelings as everybody else does about everything. I mean, how would you feel if you live with your grandma and then she, then your fucking stupid uncle moved in and your brother's a piece of shit and you're also a loser and you live out in the middle of nowhere and like, God, <laughs> I mean, he's so relatable. I, I mean, I, I get that. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for, you know, because I was friends with those people and to some extent, like, yeah, I was like that a little bit. We're on the pole. Yeah, we're all Napoleons in our own right. That's right. In our hearts and souls. Yeah. So. All right, Josh. Tell me what the three funniest parts of the movie are. Uh, yeah. I would say when, um, first one would be when Lyle shoots the shoots the cow for the kids. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. Um, oh, there's so many, but I, I got to choose three. Um, second one would be Rex Quando. When, when we get introduced to Rex Kondo. Badier Sensei. Badier yeah. Sensei! That one was hilarious. And, uh, what was the other one? Uh, because uh, I got so many going through my head right now, but I got to pick one. Oh, my God. It's like having a, having a plate at, like, a buffet. Uh, oh, I was saying, um, the one that caught me off guard was Napoleon running into the, um, running into, like, the bricks when he was trying to do it, um, Pedro did on his bike. Oh my god! When Pedro, he's like, "Can you ever taken it off any sweet shots?" Yeah, no. Pedro does it just fine, and then Napoleon breaks the board and runs into the fucking bricks. Oh, the fucking rail hits his nuts. I hope he cut. Oh, he had to have been cupped. Unless they had like a like a stunt double cup. He had stunt double with cups. He ran straight ball first. Oh god. I mean, the movie did have a four hundred thousand dollar budget, so. I don't know if he had a stunt double. I mean, yeah. I don't sure. know. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe yeah. he didn't. No, he didn't have a stunt double. All right, so for me, the three funniest parts of the movie are the cow getting shot in the face, so we have the same one. Mm-hmm. The time machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the time machine. <laughs> when, uh, oh my God. That's like another little plot point. They, like buy, thing. they buy a time machine Rico off the internet. Well, he te- he's asking Kip earlier in the movie. When they chip in on it. He's like, have you ever thought about Time Machine? Have you ever researched it? Of course. Of course. <sighs> so they buy a Time Machine off the internet, quote unquote. And it's like this, just looks like a battery of sorts. Yeah. They, and it's got like, it's all the directions and knobs have like 
they're stuck on by like a label maker. Like, <laughs> like there's like a label maker that labels all the buttons and shit. And, and it's looks like, so sketchy. Yeah, and this little thing you put the crystals in. You gotta yeah, and you then gotta put your time and you have date. to you have to put this like sensor in between your legs, like a, it's the astro probe. It's the probe knob. <laughs> it's it's what you gotta use to calibrate. It's what keeps you in when you're traveling through the sphere of time. You know the funny thing about that scene is that if you pay attention and you look at it when Napoleon like when they put the crystals in the top. Wait, I have to put the crystals yeah. in. If you if you look at the year it's set to, it's set to 1982. And if you pay attention, like, before, when Uncle Rico is talking about, like, his football game, he's talking about, he's, like, in 82 or whatever. That's how you feel. Oh. So they, so Napoleon electrocutes his own nuts with this thing. And then all, all of a sudden, like, they're, so they're like, this piece of crap doesn't work. And then Uncle Rico comes out and he's like holding his nuts. And he's like, well, I could have told you that. <sighs> like he went back to 1982 to try to. <laughs> <laughs> what was he going to do? Yeah, his old ass is going to run on the field. Coach, you got to let me in there. Who the fuck are you? I'm Uncle Rico. You're a failure. Okay, and then my number three is La Fonda's just – her arrival? Just her arrival Holes. because because you see the sign and it's spelled L A F A W N D U H like Lafonda. And you don't. I feel like you're not totally sure if Kip just like misspelled that or if that's how it's actually spelled. But I think like the last thing anyone was expecting was like a an attractive yeah. like black woman yeah, like, like coming off that bus no i don't th- that was the last fucking thing yeah, when he was like it. talking about his online girlfriend yeah. i'm like what the fuck the, the sandy sandy hair what, what are you talking yeah about? he was like singing that song yeah, earlier blonde hair to the air <laughs> yeah. you he is he was singing some shit like earlier in the movie you have to kind of pay attention to it it's like right before before Napoleon Napoleon gets gets inside no when his grandma gets inside yeah like I think he's about to pick up the phone or call someone or something but it's early in the movie you can hear Kip like singing this song he's he's like typing poetry to her or whatever but honestly I feel like out of when I think about the characters of Napoleon Dynamite, nobody in that entire movie likes who they are as a person. Like none of the main characters. You've got Napoleon. I mean, he's he makes up lies about himself and the things you've done. He's, you've got Pedro, who is Must just go back to kind of like a defeatist, um, like, oh, yeah, okay, like, I'm not going to win. I don't know if I can win. <laughs> what do we do? You've got Deb, who is super self-conscious, like, I don't know, she, like, she throws her shit at Napoleon when she comes up to his door for the first time, because she's so mortified and embarrassed, like, she's just <laughs> self-conscious of herself, you know? <laughs> and then Uncle Rico's got all these, like, regrets, Kip is just fucking Kip. Well, like, Kip's doing all right. His friends seems okay with who he is. I yeah, mean. no, but like you saw him at like Rex Quando and he was like super humiliated yeah. to get like defeated. And, <laughs> and you saw him like trying to fight with Napoleon and like <laughs> Napoleon got a slap in anyway. Ooh. And Uncle Rico bosses him around all the time. 
What about work? Did you study the new product? Yeah. I well, that's the problem. At the moment, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it just seems to me like nobody likes themselves or has any confidence except for LaFonda. Yeah, LaFonda's like, oh. She's the only, like, cool person, in the, except for maybe the grandma. Grandma, you're going to go fuck. But, no, LaFonda, like... I mean, she's the one that gives Napoleon the tape, and he, like, grooves out. And then he rents that Tybo, like, or whatever. No, he rents a, a, a VHS, or buys a VHS. At, he buys like, the VHS first, and then yeah. when he's doing that, LaFonda, because yeah. then he comes out to The VHS shows him the dance moves, yes. and then LaFonda gives him the tape, yeah? yeah. Combined, it creates the magical ending that we got to enjoy. I know. All right, Joshy, last question. What do you think this movie is trying to say as a message. Like if there was a point to take away from the movie, what, what would you take away from it? Oh, the world works in mysterious ways, but if you, I really got to think about it, I don't think the movie has a meaning to it, but if you, if I had to come up with one, I'd, that's what I would say. The world works in mysterious ways. It does. I think, you know, I think the message I take away from it is that, you know, maybe it's worth it to be unapologetically yourself. Polian does like this awesome dance routine at the end and he's doing it for a noble cause to save his friend for no other purpose than like, I want to just do it for the right reasons. And he goes out there and he is just unapologetically himself. There's no fear. There's no like, He's just jiving. And then it's almost like after he does that, suddenly everything works out for everyone. Pedro wins the election. Kip moves out and goes with LaFonda, which is good for Kip to and Detroit, Napoleon. Right? I need to go back to Detroit. Yeah. Uncle Rico moves out because Grandma came back. Uncle Rico even like meets a girlfriend like out on the highway no meets her in the middle of nowhere yeah and then deb deb and napoleon reconcile their friendship so i mean maybe the whole point is that like you can be this awkward weird kid and not follow any of the rules of society and if you're unapologetically yourself and you own yourself and you do just that things will work out for you maybe things will work out just fine and you don't yeah yeah, what do you think about that? I agree to that. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I know people who are unapologetically themselves and that feels effective. So yeah. He's, yeah, that, that 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 is a new that is a new point of view. I did perspective I did not have. I was thinking about it for a little bit. I don't know, or some bullshit. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? We we studied. We got an A on our in our movie right there. Alright, Joshy. Is there anything left? No, I thought that was well done. I mean, I think we hit all the special points. We got Rex Kwando. Uh, 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 Uncle Rico got the shit beat out of him by Rex because of the big titties. But I think yes, good. yes, he did. We didn't. We were not able to cover that uh, part, but I think that was very good. I think yeah. you know everyone who watched this would have a great understanding of Napoleon Dynamite and why we enjoy it and why it is one of those movies that you should come back to. You should come back to. Thank you for listening to spoilers, Josh. Thank you for venturing out on the pilot journey with me. 
<laughs> Some things might be changed. Uh, all right. Over and out. <laughs>